0: Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We'll be in verse 16. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. We are still on our journey through the Ten Commandments. And today's will be the Ninth Commandment. So, again, if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16, we will see the Ninth Commandment there. It says, and hopefully you're reading along, my PowerPoint's not up there, but if you got it in your Bible, the ninth commandment is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That is God's word to us today. Those are the words God audibly spoke to the nation of Israel out of Mount Sinai. Let's turn to the Lord once again in prayer. Father God, we are incapable of, of seeing and embracing truth without you. We are incapable of telling the truth, whether or not it suits our momentary desires and circumstances without you. And yet your word is sufficient for all these things And so, God, we ask that through your word and by your spirit, you would work in our hearts today in a way we never expected through this command, Lord. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to understand it rightly. And help us to be transformed not only by the command, but by your all-sufficient, all-satisfying grace. This I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to begin by by saying lies are more serious than the most dangerous virus. And lies are more threatening to you today than death itself. We live in a world that is, all too comfortable with lies lies are all around us it is a part of the air we breathe just to to give you some examples of that we're happy when the quote unquote good guy tells a lie on, on the TV show the movie tells a lie and they get away with it and they win the day we say yes that was a good lie, and they, I'm so glad it was believed. And we, we ch- we're cheering on lying. We know that uh, not, not all, but most politicians that, that serve our, our country, even the ones we vote for, lie point blank to our faces, <laughs> making promises they know they will not keep. And yet we have just accepted that as a way of life. And I even think about what is most disturbing in my own life and, and, and likely in yours as well is we have grown comfortable and accustomed to telling lies ourselves. We justify it. We say, Well, I, I had to, there, there was no other way. And we even have words for this sort of lie, don't we? A half truth, bending the truth, exaggeration, little white lies. We say it didn't hurt anybody, but it just it kept things smooth, and that's what was best. And again, like th- th- this is something that we are all too comfortable with. I I, I think about it, and, and I would say us trying to be comfortable with and tame lies is like bringing a time bomb into our homes. It's like taking a lion and treating it as a mouse cat, uh, not mouse, a house cat, mouse cat. That would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? But I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like you would call someone an idiot if they say, hey, look at this new cat I found, it's a stray. It's so cute, the fur is so shiny. And someone looks at you and says, dude, that's a lion. Like, that's not a house cat. No, are we okay? What's that that lying going to do? It is going to kill you. The time bomb is going to go off. And so lies will destroy your life. This is what I want to show you today. I want you to understand the seriousness of lies. But I, I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves. I want us to understand first... The commandment that God actually gives there in Exodus 20:16. Uh, I don't have control of it for some reason, sorry. There we go. Um, so it says there, let's just read the actual words to it. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Brother Mike, what kind of language is that? <laughs> That's legal. That's judicial. He's a ex judge, ex chief of police. He knows these things. That bearing false witness—that this is this is legal language that you might hear uh, in a courtroom setting. And so that's the first thing we we need to understand is God is saying, "Don't be a false witness, giving a false testimony about another person. Don't say that they did something or didn't do something. That is un." True. Uh, I want to show you even in Exodus 23, just a a few chapters later, like as it explains the commandments, as it it applies the Ten Commandments to real life. Exodus 23 1 through 3, God says, You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. So that's the idea of a wicked person saying, Man, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But if we blame it on someone else, then I won't get in trouble. Or him saying, uh, "Man, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Won't you tell them that you saw me? Give me an alibi. Uh, you know, lie about it." <clears throat> he says uh, there in verse two, "You shall not fall in with the many to do evil. That's the group, the crowd. Do not fall in with the many to do evil. Nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many, so as to pervert justice. Nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit." And so God has given, you know, specific applications. Don't, don't, don't uh, be, be this uh, witness for the wicked man. Don't be this witness for the group just trying to say, well, the whole group will love me if I, if I say this. If I, if I make up this, this lie, the whole group will love me. Nor should you even do it to help the poor man, it says. Don't even show partiality to the poor man saying he did not do something that you clearly know that he did, and so this is the, the the main idea. I just wanted to make sure you understand the command. This is uh, again judicial legal language. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Tell nothing but the truth, the whole truth. So help you God, right? <laughs> like this is what this is talking about. But I also want to tell you that as God continues to clarify uh, this commandment, do not bear false witness. This this happens further. Uh, in the Torah and the the books of the law, the first five books of the Bible, he shows that this command not only condemns lying in a judicial setting, but lying of any sort. I'll show you this in Leviticus uh, chapter 19. God says, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely. So you can kind of hear that 10 commandments language. God is uh, reminding them of these commandments. Then God says this, you shall not lie to one another. you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the of your God. I am the Lord. And so as God is elaborating on the commandments on the Ten Commandments, uh, instead of just saying, don't bear false witness against your neighbor in that particular judicial, legal setting, God simply makes a blanket statement, "You shall not." lie to one another and he even adds you shall not bear my name falsely that's the idea of uh, oh I swear to God you heard people say that I I swear to God I I didn't do it or I swear to God I saw them do this or whatever it may be even though you are not telling the truth God's saying you shall not lie and you better not use my name to confirm your lie to, to try to prove your lie as being true and so we see here that it, this, this commandment, <clears throat> the ninth commandment, is not just for judicial settings. It is not just about whether we're bearing false witness against our neighbor. It is about lying altogether. And probably, by the way, if you've seen kind of children's versions of the Ten Commandments, it usually just says you shall not lie here. And I would say that is a faithful interpretation of this command by the way God interprets it. There in Leviticus and in many other places as well in the Bible. And so we see here that God just wholesale says, do not lie. You are to be people of the truth, Israel. And what is given to Israel, this command is given to us as well. And but here's the thing: I'm not stupid, and and I know you're not stupid. Like, you have heard this command before. (laughs) You know uh, that that lying is condemned in the Bible. Like, that's, I I would be so surprised if that's new for any of you that, that the Bible says that we should not lie. And so I don't feel like I'm presenting to you some new information, but I wonder how many of us have taken this command lightly. I wonder how many of us keep this commandment when it's convenient, but then are willing to lie when the pressure is really on, when we are in a tough spot. I wonder how many of us even regularly lie, but we minimize it. Again, just a little white lie, just an exaggeration, just bending the truth. We know the commandment that we are not to lie. But I wonder how many of us are far too comfortable with it. I wonder how many of us have invited a lion into our house. I, this morning, as I think about this command that we're all so familiar with, don't bear false witness, don't lie. I want us to feel the weight, the horrific weight of lying this morning From the eyes of God. And so before we go any further, I want to give us a little foundational understanding of lies, where they come from, why they are so pervasive in humanity. And so here's the first thing I want to show you. If you're following along in your notes, this is point number one. I want to show you the father of lies. Studying this point uh, was. Surprisingly striking for me this week. And and so this is is what I want to show you. Satan is the father of lies. Satan is the uh, inventor, the originator, if you will, of lies. And he is the fountain, the wellspring, the spreader of lies even to this day in and through humanity. And so I, I do just want to show you this quickly. Um, and by the way, John 8, 44 calls uh, Satan, the, the devil, the father of lies. And we'll get to that in a moment, but I didn't make up that saying. Like Jesus made up that saying that he's the father of lies, meaning he is the the progenitor. He is He begat lies and, and lies begat and begat and begat and lies have spread ever since then is what it means to be the father of of lies, But I want to show you this uh, in the Bible. Again, I don't think this will be surprising, but I want you to see it in this light of God giving the command, do not bear false witness. Do not lie. Genesis 3, this comes directly after God creating this world, creating humanity in his image to resemble him, to have a relationship with him. And Genesis 3 then happens. It is a major transition in in the story of Genesis. It says, now the serpent, which we now know to be Satan, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Satan was crafty. You know, he liked to shop at Hobby Lobby and post his crafts on Pinterest. Is that what it means that Satan was crafty? No, Satan, it, he, was, he was deceitful, he was sly, he was cunning. He was, you might say, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He had already rebelled against God at this point. Satan had already rebelled against God at this point, and God had cast him down. And so what he wants to do is to continue rebelling against God, continue... Uh, defaming God and to drag humankind. Remember, those created in his image to reflect his glory. He wants to drag humankind down with him. He's crafting. So he's, he's in the garden where we've just seen in chapter 2, the man and the woman were placed. All right, so we pick back up in the middle of, of verse 1, kind of the, that uh, paragraph break you could say up on the screen. He, Satan, said to the woman... the very first recorded lie, it's certainly the first lie that involved humanity at all, that Satan is telling a lie to Eve. And We find later that Adam's there in verse 6, but Satan tells a lie. And in fact, you think about the, the commandment we're studying is Do, you should not bear false witness. In Satan's lie, he actually bears false witness against God. Satan's saying like, look, you're, you're a human, I get it, you're new to this place, you're, you're, you're fresh off the creation presses, I know God better. He said that if you eat of the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die, but shh, it's not true, you won't really die. What does that mean? That means God is a liar, God has is, is told you something that is not true, that's bearing false witness against God. But then he goes on to increase this. Verse 5, you see, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so, again, this is false witness. This is lies. Satan is saying, look, uh, I, I hate to tell you this, but the real reason. God doesn't want you to eat of that that fruit is is not because you'll die. You won't surely die. The real reason he doesn't want you to eat of it is because it will make you like him. And God wants to withhold something good from you. God is, is selfish. And so that's why he's giving you that command. You don't actually have to worry about it. That is bearing False witness against God. Satan is challenging the character of God, lying about the character of God. This again is the first group of lies, I guess you could say, that makes Satan be known as the father of lies, the originator, the, the, the first begetter of lies. Of course, Eve was deceived. She believed Satan's lies. She believed this false accusation against God, and she took of the fruit and she ate it. I, I believe I have that. Uh, meant to do that. Yep. Uh, there we go. Um, she, so she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. I, I kind of just want to mention this too. I just see so many different things going on. Satan is telling lies, seeking to deceive, and Adam's standing right there with his mouth shut. He he fails to bear witness to the truth, right? That's what he should have done. He should have said, no, that's not true. God is not like that. We know God. God isn't like that. God would never lie to us. God would never withhold something good from us. He failed to bear witness to the truth of what he knew about God and because of it all of humanity fell. And that's the other way Satan is the father of lies. He not only begat lies, the first lie, he begat liars. Humanity became liars. Romans 1 uh, says says it about this about us. Romans 1:18 says we naturally fr- from birth we suppress the truth. Romans 1:25 we willingly exchange the truth about God for a lie. And then verses 29 to 30 of the same uh, Romans one, we all tell lies. So Satan, the father of lies tells these lies to us. He tries to deceive us. And so we suppress the truth about God. We exchange the truth about God for lies. And then we become tellers of lies. Satan is the originator and he is the begetter of all liars. We have walked into his trap and then we've become hunters ourselves. This is Satan's work. This is the first time false witness occurred and this is what it has resulted in thousands of years of us sharing in Satan's work. And again, I want you to see how Jesus talks about this, about us as humanity. So he's speaking specifically to, to the religious elites. He says uh, in John eight forty four, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. No truth in him. When he when he when he lies, rather when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so you kind of now already understand what that means. Now that there is no truth in Satan. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. But but notice what Jesus said at the beginning. You are of your father. The devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. We need to understand the implications of this. When it says he, he's your father, Jesus isn't actually saying, like, you know, he, he physically begat you. He's saying he has birthed who you are, this, this sinful, lying sort. He has birthed who you are, and you are acting a lot like your father. You have family resemblance to Satan. That, that's what Jesus is saying about the, these uh, religious liars. You are of your father, the devil, and your, and your will is to do your father's desires. Now think about that. Your will is to do your father's desires when you're lying. These religious at least would have said, no, you're crazy, Jesus. Why, why would we want to do Satan's desires? And, but Jesus is saying here, when you are lying, that is exactly what you are doing. Remember, Satan rebelled against God, and his goal is to defame God and bring down humanity with him. And when we lie, like Satan, we are rebelling against God, we are defaming God, and we are dragging down humanity. We are causing destruction and chaos just like Satan wants to happen When we lie, I mean, we just got to wrap our minds around this. When we lie, we are working out whose plans? Satan's plans, Satan's devices. We're using his tool to accomplish his job. Again, I'll tell you that just this, this hit me so hard this week because Jesus says, do not lie to one another. (laughs) That's any lie. So, the times that I have exaggerated the truth about myself in order to make myself seem better, I was doing the will of Satan. The times that I have, you know, maybe told a little white lie to try to protect myself from getting in trouble, I was doing the will of Satan, defaming God and dragging down humanity. And I assume, I know, All of you have lied from one time to another. I assume this is still something that uh, occasionally happens in your lives. And so we, we need to remember this is doing the will of Satan. He's the father of lies. He loves lies. And he wants you to tell lies. He wants you to believe them and to tell them. This is the horrific weight of lies but, but continuing our foundational understanding of this commandment and of lies, the next thing we need to consider is what is the future for liars? H- how will this turn out for them? How, how will things end up when, when, when people, when Satan gives themselves to lies? Now, I want to start with uh, kind of a broad idea here because God is speaking this Uh, to the nation of Israel. And so the first thing we can ask is, how will a bunch of people lying affect the community? We we saw in Leviticus that they were perverting justice. I'll tell you, you do not want to live in a community where justice is perverted. And and we actually do, to some degree, live in that, uh, uh, (coughs) excuse me, a society where people lie against one another, where people uh, lie, lie to, to make you believe what is not true. We live in a society where not only the witness can be corrupt, but so can the jury and the judge. And and, and the deeper deception goes, the worse off that community becomes. I, I don't want to um, name any communities uh you know, uh, specifically, but there there are some countries in this world that you don't want to be there because you will get robbed. You very well may get, you know, beaten up or whatever, and and you know that you won't even uh, have any justice because the the cops are paid off. People will lie about it. They're all afraid. And I mean, this this is how it goes. And so we see a community is torn apart by lies. But what about individuals? What what, what is the experience, the right here, right now, (coughs) excuse me, experience of those who tell lies? What has your experience been? I, I think about in my own experience, sadly, I know that there have been times that I have you know, told a quick lie, you know, try to keep myself from getting in trouble and then I've told a quick lie. And the next thing I know, that lie is kind of getting uncovered. So what do I have to do? I tell another lie to cover up that first lie, but then that one starts to get uncovered and tell another lie. And then, then, so what's going on in the back of my mind the whole time is, are they gonna figure out that last lie? And like, then what am I gonna say to cover that one up? There's this continual Fear and anxiety of getting caught, not to mention just our conscience bearing witness against us, condemning us because we know that what we are doing is not right. Satan tells you, Satan tells me, hey, lying about this will be better for you. It will be safer, it will be beneficial when that could not be any further from the truth. Lying will not be safer for you. It will not be beneficial. It will not bring peace and life into your experience. You will be miserable if you walk in lies. And that's just the right here, right now. This is uh, kind of increasing importance here. Thirdly, what is the future for liars eternally? What will be the final outcome for those who believe lies, love lies, and tell lies? Because remember, that's the process. We all, like Adam and Eve, believe lies, Satan's lies. We love them. We cling to them. We love them so much that we suppress the truth outside of us. And then we tell lies. We become like Satan. We imitate him and carry out his plan So what is the eternal result? Well, first we can see Satan. This one may not be a surprise to you, but Revelation 20, verse 10, the devil who had deceived them, right? The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So this is the lake of fire. It kills you, but it doesn't. Well, we'll see that uh, in the next verse. This is the lake of fire where you are eternally put to death, eternally tormented. That will be Satan's eternal abode because he is a liar. But what about for humans? You say, well, that's Satan. Of course, he deserves it. That crafty serpent. Revelation 21 verse 8, as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's the same place Satan was just thrown in chapter 20, the lake of fire and and sulfur where the beast and false prophet are they will be tormented day and night and that will be the eternal estate of those who love lies or sorry believe lies love lies and tell lies it will be the most horrific family reunion the father of lies will be there and so will his children This should be a sobering reality for us when we think about, oh, just a little white lie. Oh, I had to. It was safer, it's better. It made me my my ego feel good to stretch the truth. But this should be like a bucket of freezing cold water on our faces. This is something that derives from and works out the will of Satan, and it is something that leads to. Eternal death, eternal separation from God's glory and under his wrath. This is what we've tried to gloss over and minimize. We've believed the lie that lies are not a big deal, but they are. They are a big deal to God. I want to kind of frame it for you this way God is truth, God says no untrue things ever. There is no darkness in him at all. Therefore, God cannot spend eternity with liars. In fact, God can't let liars go unpunished. He will not. Because God is so truthful, he cannot bear with or be with liars. This is a sobering reality. So what hope is there. What hope is there? And I, I again I hope you feel the horrible weight of lies so that you can feel the beautiful reality of the hope that we are to see right now. What hope is there to be released from the bondage of lies we have put ourselves in. This is number 3, the freedom of truth. The freedom of truth. God has commanded them, do not bear false witness. Do not lie but all of us have not only believed lies but told lies we've all borne false witness but here is what's really amazing the truth is a person and he wants to free us from our bondage to lies you hear that the truth is a person jesus is the truth incarnate he says in john fourteen six, i am The way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to talk about that one for a moment. That is one of the most polarizing verses in the Bible. People say, those elitist, exclusive Christians say, there's no way into heaven except through Jesus. How dare they? When what is astounding is, we should see this as the most inclusive verse in the Bible. Why? Because all of us deserve hell. All of us deserve eternal separation from God. None of us can come to the Father. What's astounding is that anyone can and that there is any way to the Father. That's what's amazing. This is an incredibly inclusive verse that any humans can come to the Father through Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then John 8, 32, you likely know this. You, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We, we, we feel like we need to continue suppressing the truth out there. No, I don't want to know the truth about God. I don't want to know the truth about my actions and what God thinks about them. I don't want to know the truth about the punishment my actions deserve. I don't want to know the truth about how I'm actually following Satan instead of following God. But Jesus says, you don't get it. Those lies are what are bondage. But in me, in Jesus, you will know the truth. And the truth, that is what will set you free. Not believing lies, not exchanging the truth about God for a lie, not suppressing the truth. It is the truth about Jesus that will set you free. And so what is that truth? Well, it means many things. I've got just one kind of suggestion here. 1 John uh, 1, 8, 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is is not in us. So the first truth is we are all sinners, unholy sinners before a perfect, sinless, just God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But here's another truth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the truth about Jesus. That the eternal wrath and condemnation that we deserve for our lies, when we cast them upon Jesus, we confess our sins to him, when we cling to him by faith, we can know that we have forgiveness. Because that sin of lying, that sin of sexual immorality, that sin of stealing, that sin of idolatry, that exchanging of God, all of it was paid for on us. The cross. All of it Jesus bore in our place on the cross. There is no lie that was gotten away with, no lie that was swept under the rug. It was poured out on Jesus, and by faith in him, we can have forgiveness of sins. I shouldn't leave out, by the way, that he rose from the dead after this, showing that he had defeated sin and death and the punishment. For sin. This is freedom. This is where we can find, if we embrace the truth about ourselves, that we are sinners, and if we embrace the truth about Jesus, that he died and rose again to save sinners, we can have true, complete freedom. This is freedom from the fear of death because we know that only glory awaits us. This is freedom to know, love, and worship God because Jesus has reconciled the relationship our sin has broken. That is freedom. Freedom to know I get to worship God now and for eternity. I get to enjoy the glorious God of the universe for eternity. I can do a close, intimate relationship with God now and for eternity because Jesus, the truth, took my sins upon him. He reconciled the relationship I have broken. But there is more. This is freedom to tell the truth instead of lies. Why do we lie? Why do we lie? Again, I would say in general, it is to either protect ourselves, right? You you lie to get out of something or it is we lie to gain something. Maybe the approval of another person, maybe more money, possessions. I I don't know. But we we lie to protect ourselves and we lie to gain something. But here, (coughs) excuse me, You won't hear me well if I'm still coughing. Hear me well, I was going to say, there is nothing that you could possibly protect yourself with from a lie that God's protection is not far superior to. It's a true, a real, a righteous protection that God puts over his people. You don't have to lie. Come loss of job, come hurt relationship, come... Uh, making yourself look bad come death. God's protection is the one you need, not the one you can fashion with your own lies. And as far as gaining things, we are fellow heirs with Christ. (laughs) There is nothing we could possibly gain by lies that God will not give us infinitely greater than. I'm talking quantitatively and qualitatively greater You want to be thought of well by others, so you lie. God has something qualitatively and quantitatively greater for you. Whatever it is you seek to gain, when you know the truth about Jesus, when you know the truth about salvation and becoming a child of God rather than a child of Satan, you are freed from the the need to lie. Your desire to, to know and love and please God, to reflect the glory of God and his truthfulness becomes greater than your desire to lie. To protect yourself, to gain anything, you don't need it because you've got God. But I want to end this way. The truth gives us the freedom to bear witness about the truth. We, we've talked about this in, in, in other of the Ten Commandments. You know, we've said, well, it's, it's, it's good not to steal, but if you really want to worship God, you give generously. That, that, that's how, how we obey that commandment as children of God. We say, I'm not only going to abstain, but I'm going to engage in the opposite in worship of God. And, and again, we've done that with several others, but I think about this one. Don't bear false witness well, what's the opposite of that? It's not just having your mouth shut like, like uh, Adam did in the garden while people are being deceived all around you. That's not what, what glorifies God. Sure, it is good. I'm not telling you it's, 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 it is a very good thing when you are tempted to lie and you just shut your mouth. <laughs> that is a very good thing. But the ultimate way to worship God is not only to not bear false, false witness, but to bear witness to the truth about the truth, which is Christ Jesus. This is the greatest thing we can do. This is the greatest freedom that we have in Christ that we get to bear witness to the truth. I want to show you this quickly. I just love it in Acts uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 20. I want to kind of give you a little uh, recap of what's going on here. Peter. And, and John have just healed a lame beggar. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and because everyone saw that miracle, he, he healed the beggar in the name of Jesus. This, by the way, is after the, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and even his uh, ascension. They heal the beggar. People see the sign and they say, we want to know more. And so Peter starts to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this is where we pick up. Uh, oh, sorry, actually, one more thing. They imprisoned him. They, uh, they put him into custody overnight. And so the next day they go to interrogate him and he starts sharing the gospel with the people who have uh, put him in custody. And so that's actually where we pick up in verse 13. Now, when they, these religious elites, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were, that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, he was a lame man and now he's standing beside them, but seeing the the man who was healed standing beside him, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem And we cannot deny it. Just pause there for a second. There has been evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. That he was truly the son of God. That he was truly the lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins. That he truly rose in victory. There is evidence because Peter healed a lame beggar in the name of Jesus and he stood up. And they say, this is a problem people are going to see that a notable sign has been done here in Jerusalem and, and, and they're gonna believe the gospel. Think about how crazy that is. Think about the suppression of truth. They know that it's true and that's the problem because everyone can see it's true. And so they're, they're saying, how can we suppress this even though everyone sees that it is true? This is what's going on here. Uh, verse 17 this is where I really want to get they, they they continue as they're conferring with one another but in order that it not may not be but in order that it may spread no further among the people again horrific to think about that in order that it may spread no further among the people let us warn them Peter and John to speak no more to to anyone in his name in Jesus name so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, this is where we, get, where we are. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What is someone called that speaks of what they have seen and heard? That's a witness. Witness. That's, that's the whole reason they are put on the stand, on the, the stand up there to, to say, here is what I have seen. And they're saying, we know the truth about Jesus. We have seen it. We have heard it. We know that he has defeated Satan's sin and death. We know that he has covered our sins. We know that forgiveness and eternal life will be granted to anyone who believes in him. And we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot help but be witnesses to the truth. And by the way, you say, well, that's Peter and John. Peter, the first time uh, he realized who Jesus was said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Peter, as when Jesus was arrested, lied three times about even knowing Jesus. This is a liar that we are talking about here who said these things. But what happened? <laughs> the death Burial and resurrection of Jesus. He he sees, this is it. I see the truth, the truth of salvation, the truth of the gospel. And now he says, not only am I not going to lie about what I've seen and heard, I can't help but tell it. And so friends, understand, do not lie. Yes, abstain from lying, seeing that you have put off the old deeds of the flesh. That's Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another. Yes, but we have an even greater privilege in God in the way that we respond to this commandment of God. Not only will we refuse to bear false witness, but we will refuse to be silent about the truth. Are you going to do that today? I mean, we, we think through our own lives. Are you more committed to the ways of Satan, telling lies, suppressing the truth, or to the ways of God Telling the truth, and especially that supreme truth about Christ Jesus that can set other people free. And that's, that's by the way, I'm not telling you, now you got to dig deep and do it. It happened for Peter, a sinner, a liar, just like you, just like me, through gospel power. Look to Jesus, the one in whom there was no deceit in his mouth, and you will find that the truth flows more freely from yours. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for the truth. We are so thankful that though Satan was able to deceive not only our first parents, but to deceive us as well. God, we have suppressed the truth. We have exchanged the truth. But the truth came bursting in in the person of Jesus. The truth took our punishment for our lives and every other sin And the truth conquered them in his resurrection. And so, Lord, we want to walk in the freedom you offer. And God, if there are any in this room who are still in darkness, God, would you shine the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Christ Jesus on them right now? That they would see that they have been believing Satan's lies for far too long, that they would see that their sins are red like scarlet, but that in Christ Jesus, they can be made as white as snow. Condemnation removed, a clear conscience, and a relationship with God. That can be theirs by faith today in this truth. And God, for those of us who have already trusted in that truth about Christ Jesus, I pray that you would help us to live in the freedom of truth. Knowing that we don't have to lie to be blessed, that in fact the opposite will happen when we lie. It will harm our relationship with you, it will be be furthering Satan's purposes, dragging other people down, but that in the truth there is so much freedom just to trust in you that, that the truth is enough and we can tell it And Lord, most importantly, I pray that you would give us the desire, the boldness, the courage to bear witness to the truth about Christ Jesus, your son. What an amazing privilege, what an amazing freedom that we get to bear witness to the truth that has brought this freedom into our lives and can do so for others. Do this by your power and in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.